morning. Let's all stand if you would. I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, we're going to sing, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Amen. Here we go.
to sing the King of Glory this morning. Amen. Lift up the King of Glory. Here we go.
smile on your face, turn around, tell somebody you're glad to see them, and let's fellowship a little bit this morning, all right? fellowship. If you would, you can find your place and be seated. Brother Martin is going to give us our announcements this morning. Good morning. Uh, glad you all, all could be here today. Um, so first things first is uh, do we have any first time visitors or visitors here this morning? Raise your hand. We just want to mark that you were here. So uh, one of our ushers will get you a little pamphlet, just drop it in the offering plate on your way out. A um, couple things, we do have a full Wednesday uh, slated. We have Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Uh, we have Wednesday night services uh, preceded by a dinner that is usually really, really delicious. They had some cheesecake last, last week with some strawberries or cherries or something. It was delicious. That was my dinner. Uh, skip the meal, but I grabbed the biggest piece, if you want to know. Uh, 7 p.m. Bible studies. Uh, the, the adults are in there with Brother Mark. The youth in here usually have a great time, and Miss Cindy and Ginger do the youth, I mean the children. Uh, we also have Sunday school for all ages. Uh, again, I told you last week that I'm usually not a Sunday school person, but I taught it today, and it was amazing. Amen. <laughs> Sunday school is growing on me like a mold. I enjoy coming and learning. So the mold of Jesus, that'll preach. <laughs> we do need more volunteers and help with children and nursery. Uh, if you will see Miss Cindy or uh, Ginger to sign up. We also have a need with a cleaning crew. If you will see Miss Kate, the more of us that volunteer, the less of a workload it is on the one person. We don't want to be a 20% do 80% of the work. We want to be 80% do 100% of the work. I don't know if that's the right math, but you got it there. So, and I always love it when the cleaning crew comes because I office out of here for my real job. And it's like every week I get a clean house. It's amazing. And I'm not paying for it. So that's the amazing part. Uh, also, we are going to have a memorial service for Uncle Buck. Uh, Y'all know Uncle Buck passed away, went on to glory, and uh, we may be sad, but he is in the presence of Jesus, uh, and he knows better what our faith is than we do today. Amen. We will have uh, the memorial service next Sunday uh, here at 3 o'clock, so come to Sunday school, come to church, and then come uh, be part of Uncle Buck's memorial service um, next week. Oh, Lord, it's only a week. Um, I always think I'm way ahead of time, but I'm not. So July the 18th through the 22nd, our teens will be going to church camp. 
I always get to do lots of great trips around the country or even Canada a couple times, but my favorite week of the year is always when you support me and allow me to take the teenagers to church camp. Number one, I get to take their phones away, and I love having that battle. Um, they totally unplug, and so I just need you to be in prayer that the kids that do come along with the adults, uh, that we just, we just see lives being changed and just see seeds being planted. I do have a need. If you, um, if you could pick up maybe a case of water or two, I do try to keep these kids hydrated. You could bring it on Wednesday and drop it off. Um, I normally take, I believe, about 10, 12 cases of water, uh, try to keep them going so they do not pass out and you'd be mad at me. Uh, VBS at Landmark, August 3rd through the 6th. You can see that sign out there. Uh, Miss Cindy does need volunteers. Um, I know a lot of our teenagers will volunteer during that time, but we also need adults. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever sat in on a lesson with Miss Cindy, but, man, she teaches those kids the gospel. She teaches those kids the gospel like nobody else. And it's just amazing that, you know, she, she's been doing that for so long, but she does need a little help. Life recovery class today at 2 here. Um, so be here for that. And also, the last thing, I just want to show you my pretty shoes. These are my birthday shoes. My girls got them for me. And so I thought I would wear them today. And the extra fun part is that they are even longhorn color, so hook them. Amen. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. Hey, let's stand if you would uh, one more time. And uh, we're going to sing a song called Fear is a Liar. And I can't think of more appropriate time we've needed that than right now. Amen. Uh, a lot of people living in fear and anxiety. And I'm here to tell you today that's all from the enemy. And the enemy is a liar. Fear is a liar. And so, uh, and this, is, uh, this goes along with what I'm uh, preaching on this morning too. So sing it out with all you've got. All right, here we go. Told you you were trouble, you'll forever be alone. 
is Jireh, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance because Jireh, you are enough. Um, so let's sing this. And if you want to stand to this and worship, you go right ahead. Here we go.
Father God, we praise you this morning. Jaira, you are enough for us, God. You are our provider. If you dress the lilies, what beauty and splendor. How much more do you clothe us? You watch over us. You watch the sparrows. You love us unconditionally. Lord, we have the power in us, God, and all we need to do is just call on you. Father, now I just pray that you would be with this time that we study your word. Just, Lord, open our hearts and our minds, God, and just speak to us this morning, God. Have your way and your will. We love you. And everybody said, amen, amen, isn't that good? All right, if you've got children uh, to go to Children's Church, you can meet our crew over there. Miss Cindy had to be out this morning, and so uh, we got Miss April over there and Miss Ginger, and I got a whole good crew over there, amen. Give our children's workers a big hand, if you would. Always do a great job. And we are just about halfway through the summer, okay? So uh, I hope you know, uh, I don't know how many of you have been on vacation yet. Some are still yet to go. Uh, we kind of, in church world, you kind of just try to survive June and July because everybody's moving around and going, and we, uh, we want to encourage you to do that. But pray for everybody. Pray for everybody that's on the road, and pray for everybody that's uh, uh, traveling, all right, to keep, the Lord would keep everybody safe. So we're, we're about halfway through. Once we kind of get to August, uh, life will start kind of settling back into a more of a routine and normal as we get closer to school. Uh, so um, just to be praying for everybody. Uh, I do want to um, uh, remind you again that Brother Martin uh, mentioned it, but uh, we do want you to uh, come out for Brother Buck's memorial service. Uh, that'll be next Sunday at 3 p.m. right here in this building. Uh, so please come. Uh, I know many of you, most of you, knew Uncle Buck. And uh, boy, uh, we, uh, we lost a good one. Amen. But his gain is our loss. Amen. He's in heaven and he is uh, no more pain, no more suffering. And uh, uh, the report from uh, the family was, was that he went peaceful and he was able to have all of his family around him. And I can't think of a better way to go. Amen. And so uh, we want to honor him, though. We want to honor his life. Uh, I think it would be wonderful to honor him with a full house uh, next Sunday afternoon, all right? So you come, and if you'll help me kind of get the word out, I'll be putting it on Facebook and everything, but if you know some folks that would like to attend, uh, please let them know, all right? Um, in Kind of in honor of Uncle Buck and uh, really Brother Mike, because Uncle Buck and Brother Mike were uh, two of the greatest soul winners I know. They were bold in their witness. They were not afraid to speak to people about the Lord and ask people about their spiritual condition. And uh, I just got to be honest with you, it really convicted me this week. Because I think, you know, here we lose two really strong soul winners. And the question comes up, who's going to take their place? Who steps up? Amen. Who's going to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, open my mouth. Here am I, Lord, let me be the one to step up in the gap that Brother Buck, because I'm here to tell you, those are big shoes to fill. That, those are two big holes when you lose Brother, Brother Mike and you lose Brother Buck. Those are two big soul-winning shoes 
that are very, very hard to fill. And so I, I just want to tell you that it convicted me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this sermon by being the first one in line to raise my hand and say, Lord, I'm going to do better at soul winning. I'm going to do better at asking people about their spiritual condition. I'm going to be better because I believe time is short. I believe we're in the last days. And quite honestly, even if it's not, you don't know how many days you got left. Amen. Uh, even, even if it's down the road a little ways, guess what? You may, may, may not make it all the way down the road. None of us have a guarantee that we have even tomorrow. Amen. So what is the key to that? Always be ready. Always be prepared. And so this sermon really today is kind of in honor of uh, Uncle Buck and Brother Mike. Amen. And so uh, I, I titled it Reaching the Sick. Uh, anybody in here ever been sick? Anybody in here ever been spiritually sick? The truth is, all of us have been spiritually sick. Amen. We've all struggled uh, in, in being spiritually sick. And uh, many of you will be familiar with this first verse. Uh, and it, it's when Jesus was, uh, you remember he had won Levi or Matthew, the tax collector. He had, he had won him. Uh, he had uh, told him, come follow me. Uh, Levi, Matthew dropped everything and he left everything to follow the Lord. And Levi was a sinner. He was a tax collector, but back then tax collectors were the dirtiest, nastiest, I mean, because they were untruthful. Uh, they were in charge of collecting taxes, but they would always pad it and take extra. In other words, they were just uh, swindlers. They were swindling people constantly in the name of the government. All right? Sound familiar? Maybe a little bit. All right? Uh, guess what? No sin is new. Amen? Anything you're experiencing today, it's not a new thing. It's been there thousands of years. So uh, Levi, the only people he knows, and because mainly the only people that will associate with him are other sinners, prostitutes, other tax collectors, other thieves and scoundrels and people that uh, want to be con men and con artists. These are the only people that would hang around Matthew. And so they were the only people he knew, but he had met this guy named Jesus and Jesus had impacted his life so much, he throws a party at his house and he invites all of the sinners that he knows. Now, can I ask you today, because this question gets asked of Jesus later on, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Why does Jesus eat with sinners? Because sinners need him more than anybody. Amen. And guess what? If we're all honest, we're all sinners. If you think you're better than that, if you, if you don't like me calling you a sinner, your sin is probably self-righteousness. Your sin is probably thinking too much of yourself and thinking you're better than most. Amen. So uh, even to be there, you know, is a sin in and of itself. So many of us are familiar with Mark 2.17. It's our first verse. Uh, and this is, uh, he eats with these sinners and um, the, the dinner is coming to a close. And there's these religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're standing outside. They wouldn't dare go in the house because then they would be associated with sinners. And they're too clean and too holy to be associated with sinners. So they're looking from outside the house. But maybe they took a break after dinner and they catch Jesus kind of maybe outside the house. And they ask him, why are you eating with these sinners? You're supposed to be a rabbi. You're supposed to be a prophet. You're, cl you're claiming you're, you're the son of God. And yet here you are associating with these dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, all right? 
And this is how Jesus responded. He said, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. All right, I want you to underline that sentence. But those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, what does that verse say? Jesus is pretty much putting a dig in those Pharisees and Sadducees, isn't he? He says right at the end, he says, I didn't come to call the righteous. I, I didn't come for you because you don't think you need me. Because you think you're already holier than thou. You think you're even holier than me. And so he says, I didn't come for you. So in a way, without, him realize, without them realizing, he's kind of putting a dig in at them. I didn't come for you because you think you're already okay. You think you're holier than everybody else anyway. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And the fact of the matter is, we are all there. Amen. We are all there. We're all sinners. We're all struggling. Can I tell you from the preacher on down? Amen. I struggle just like you. I'm flesh and blood. And you don't think that the devil puts a target on your back when you say, I'm going to stand up for the Lord. Try doing more for the Lord. The more you do for the Lord, the bigger the target on your back gets. And the more Satan will come see you. All right? Okay. So uh, reaching people should be the desire of all of us who've been reached. I want you to go back a ways. I'm, I'm making the assumption that most in this room are saved. If you're not saved today, can I tell you this? Get it, get it settled today. Not a big deal. The Lord is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to repentance and come to him. Amen. But let's assume that most everybody in the room is saved today. So I want you to go back a ways. Some of you, it may be a year, two years. Some, it may be 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But think back to before you got saved. And then I want you to think of the day that somebody reached out to you, told you, you heard the truth of the gospel, and for the first time you responded to the truth of the gospel, and you got saved. Can you remember that day? Isn't it an awesome day? Can, I, can somebody shout? Do you have a testimony something? Amen. Man, the day that you got changed, and what did it take for you to get changed? Now, Jesus changed you, but what did somebody have to do for Jesus to change you? Somebody had to tell you, didn't they? Somebody had to tell you. Somebody had to tell you their story or the gospel story. Somebody had to be bold enough to open their mouth and tell you. Maybe it was a preacher, but I can guarantee you in a crowd this size, many of you, it was not a preacher. Maybe it was a friend or a Sunday school teacher, or maybe it was a teacher or a coach, or it could have been any number of people, uh, because we are all called to share the gospel, not just the preacher. Hello? Many times people aren't walking down the aisle and everybody goes, preacher's not doing a job. <laughs> can I tell you that's a lie right there, right off the bat, that's a lie. You know what the Bible says the preacher's job is? To equip the saints in ministry so that the saints can go out. If there ain't nobody walking the aisle, don't look at the preacher. Get a mirror, and I'll hold it up here. Because I should be, my job is to equip you, to grow you, to be bolder and bolder so that you can go out to your jobs, out to your neighborhoods, out to your friends, and we can all be bold witnesses everywhere we go. Amen? We are all called to the ministry. Amen? May not be this ministry, but we're all called to some ministry. Amen? All right, so understand this. Um, reaching people should be the desire of any of us who've been reached with the gospel. Uh, we should reach them with love, not traditions. Uh, many times we think, and, and I had this conversation with the people here before I came to uh, be the pastor, 
And I told them, I said, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, I need you to meet me halfway. Because quite honestly, some of the things, it's a real traditional church. But I'm here to tell you, you can't reach a 20-year-old with the same stuff you're doing to reach a 70, 80-year-old. Amen? And so we must learn it. We, we've got to meet me halfway. It, in other words, church is not about you. Church is not about your preferences. And I'm one that will tell you, I love traditions. I love some of the traditions we have. Traditions are a wonderful thing. But when the traditions become what we're worshiping, we're in trouble. Amen? And so traditions are there. It's wonderful. You know, we sing precious memories. Precious memories are wonderful. But if you get stuck living in the past and not understanding that we have a future and that the Lord is coming back and that we must tell people and, and you understand that time is short, whether he's coming back today or tomorrow or 20 years from now, listen, all of us have a very short period of time. Brother Buck, I, I'm not sure, I think he was around 83, 84, but I can guarantee you no matter how many years God gives you, you'll get to the end of it and you will say, that didn't seem long enough. That's true for everybody. I've seen, unfortunately, part of my job is to see a lot of people that are making that transition from this life to the next life. And almost to a T, every one of them says, Brother Mark, that just didn't seem long enough. That did not seem like it was enough. Amen? Because this life is temporary. And however many years you get, it will not seem like enough. Why is that? Because the older you get, older people, can you testify with me? It starts going faster, 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 faster. I remember a decade used to seem like an eternity. Think when you were 10 years old. Could you even imagine at 10 years old being 20 years old? You couldn't even imagine. That seemed like pff, forever away. And I'm fixing to turn 60, and I'm looking back going, where, where'd the 50s go? That, that, where'd they go? That was too, well, that was way too quick, amen? And I shudder to think how quick the 60s will go to 70, Amen. And so it just goes faster and faster and faster at a breakneck pace. So you and I need to understand that we have been called to reach the world, not worship our traditions. In fact, it may mean getting outside of the box, doing things in a way we've never done them before. Can I tell you this? We've got these phones, and we've got these iPads, and listen, they, they provide a lot of distractions in our life. But guess what? If you will think outside the box... You can use this to reach people you would have never reached before it showed up. The World Wide Web gives you an opportunity to, uh, in real time, witness to somebody on the other side of the world. But you've got to get outside of our... We get to thinking... Uh, one of the worst things that you can hear in a church is, well, Brother Mark, we'd love to do that, but what? We've never done it that way before. That is the credo of a dying church. Amen? Brother Mark, we've never done it that way. Well, maybe we ought to try it. Maybe the building might be full if we'd try it. Amen? Maybe more people would be walking the aisle. More people would be getting saved. More people would be reached if we would get outside of what, the way we think it's always been done before. Sometimes God says, we got God in this little box. And many times I think God is saying, if you just let me break out of this box, man, we could blow the doors off this place. But you've got me stuck in this box. And in, many times it's because we, we, we loved what church was 20, 30 years ago. Listen, I was here my first round at Landmark back in the 80s and 90s. Can I tell you, the 80s and 90s were wonderful. It was awesome. Amen. Landmark was awesome. 
When Julie and I came, it was 50 people, maybe even less than that, on a little white church on 5th Street there that was falling down around them. Amen. You remember that? And uh, then we built those domes, filled those domes up. God kept blessing. People getting saved. Then we built the gymatorium, uh, filled that up, then built the auditorium. And I left in 98. Church was running four to 500. I'm here to tell you, those were great times. Wonderful, wonderful times. I have precious memories of those. But guess what? That was then. This is now. We cannot live in the past. There are more people to reach. There are more people to get saved. There are more people that need the Lord. Amen. There are more people that need a church and a body and a family of believers. You and I have been called the church is important. We live in a culture today that says, ah, no more church. I'll pray. I'll do all that. Listen, uh -uh. Jesus Christ himself said, I love the church. She is my bride and I will die for her. And he did die for her on a cross. And he said, one day I'm coming back. And I'm the groom, and the church is the bride. We need each other. God designed it that way. You can't have two or more gathered if you're not in a gathering, all right? You can't have one picking up the other when they fall down if you're by yourself, amen? We need each other. It was designed that way, and that's why it doesn't seem to work any other way. If you try to do Christianity by yourself, you will eventually fall away. Because there's no one there to help you. There's no one there to pick you up when you fall. All right? So we need to understand that. Let's look at a story. There was a story. Anybody remember the story of the four guys trying to help their friend to get to Jesus? Now I'm going to turn that story around on you. Because all of us have friends. And in reality, all of us have those lost friends that need to get to Jesus. Now this guy was crippled. So he needed to get to Jesus what they thought was for healing. But you remember, we're going to read the story. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jesus gives him something way before he ever heals him. All right? And your friends may think they need some, you know, my marriage is falling apart. Well, I need Jesus to fix my marriage. That's true, but guess what? Are you saved? Let's get that out of the way first. You need to meet Jesus and get saved first. Then let's, let's work on Jesus fixing your marriage. Amen? But guess what? No matter what they think it is, they do need Jesus. And they need somebody to help them to get to Jesus. Now, what could these friends have done? I'll, I'll tell you what, let's read the story first. Then we'll, we'll see what the friends could have done, all right? Um, verse 1 says, And he again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. There's some modern language with Jesus in the house, amen? <laughs> Jesus in the house. Uh, and it says, immediately many are gathered there so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. All right, verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, get up off that mat. You're healed. No. What's that say? Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus knew this guy needs more than just his legs healed. This guy needs me first. He needs his sins forgiven. And I'm the only one that has the power to forgive those sins. So Jesus takes care of first things first. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Amen? No, no, let's stop there. 
how could these four friends have handled this? These four friends could have probably done a lot what you and I do. A lot of us do what I call drive-by witnessing. You ever heard of a drive-by shooting? That's where a car comes flying by, doesn't stop, rolls the windows down, shoots out at the house, and bullets go flying everywhere, and then they peel off. Many of us, that's kind of the way we do witnessing. We do drive-by witnessing. You know, where the, hey, you saved? Hey, you know you're going to hell. You're going to burn. You need to get that right. All right? Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> or, you know, Jesus loves you. For God's love, the world gives only God's son. Whoever believes in him should not perish to have everlasting life. Amen? All right. You need to get that straight. All right. Check you later. That's drive-by witnessing. All right? Listen, we, we, you and I live in a culture where people's guards are up. I know most of you. Your guards are up. If you've lived enough life, you've been stabbed in the back. You've been hurt. You may be here in church giving it another try because you say, somebody in that church hurt me. And I guarantee you go longer in here in a couple of weeks, you're going to get hurt. I wish I could tell you that everybody here was perfect and everything that comes out of their mouth is glitter and gold, but I'd be lying. Amen. The devil can get in and he can use people's mouths. He can use people's attitudes. In fact, that's where he loves to work the most. Amen. Because if he can get you unhappy with the church and he can get you out that door, then guess what? You're most likely just going to go your own way. But what happens? We must go after people. So these four friends, they could have done like what a lot of us do. Hey, man, I go to an awesome church. I got saved at this church. And can I tell you this? Jesus changed my life. And he can change your life too. Sunday mornings, 11 a.m., 11396 Highway 64 East. Sign right up there. Hope to see you there. That ain't it, folks. These friends of this paralytic could have said, Jesus is going to be at this house. We heard he's coming. They had posters up down there at the coffee shop. And Jesus is going to be at this house. He's going to be healing people. And you need to be there because guess what? You're crippled. I don't know if you realize it, but you're crippled. And so you find you somebody. Somebody's probably got one of those uh, uh, medical vans that can get you there. And I sure hope, you know, you can find somebody with a good medical van. But he's going to be there at 2 o'clock on this day. And, man, I hope you can get there because he's going to be there and he's going to be healing people. And I'll, I'm going to be there, and I'll see you there if you get there. That's how, they, that's how you and I would do it. Having church down here, man, I, I, you really could use it. I, I sure wish uh, you could be there. And I'll be there if I ain't got nothing better that night. Uh, but I'll be there, and if I'm there, I'll see you. Many times we don't even want to make the commitment to be there ourselves. You don't need to tell people. You need to bring people. These four guys said, Jesus is going to be at this house at 2 o'clock. We're going to be at your house at 1 o'clock. Be ready because we're getting you and we're coming. We're coming, we're getting you, and we're going to this house, and we're going to get you to Jesus come hell or high water. Excuse my language. You thought, oh, you were concerned about, uh, you know. But that, they were trying to save him from hell, so technically I'm right. Amen. And so they said, you need Jesus, and we are going to get you to Jesus some kind of way, no matter what. And don't give us no excuses. Don't tell us what else you got going. We're going to be at your house at 1 o'clock. That's the way you do it, people. Amen? So they show up at his house. They get him. They bring him. And they get there, and the house is already packed. 
and they can't even get in there anywhere close to Jesus. Does that stop them? First little obstacle? What do you and I do? Yeah. Walk in the back door. Church is full tonight. We'll come another night. You know, uh, let's, let's go down and eat a Whataburger. We'll come tomorrow night. Maybe Jesus will be back here tomorrow night. No. No obstacles. No excuses. Four friends said, okay, we can't get you to the front door. Guess what? We're going up on the roof. And they go up on the roof. Because their attitude is nothing is going to stop us from getting you to Jesus. Look at this next slide. I love what this is. This is the kind of church we need to be. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people that no one is reaching, we'll do things no one else is doing. Amen? That's what these four friends were. That's true friends. Said, we're going to get you to Jesus no matter what. So they go to the roof next. Now I'm here to tell you, you need to understand Here's what they had to do to break through that roof. I did a little bit of research. You know what they used to thatch their roofs with back then? They used palm leaves and all those things, but you had to have something to bind it together. Guess what the binding agent was? Manure. Plenty of it in supply. It was all over the roads. And so they would use the manure as the binding because once it dried out in the sun, then it became a binding, almost like mortar today. And so when these guys start digging into the roof, now here's the ironic thing, and here's a, still a gospel truth today. Sometimes you got to dig through the manure to get through and help your friends get rid of their problems. Amen? Amen? These guys were willing to dig through the manure, cut through that roof so that they could get their friend to Jesus. Amen? Sometimes that means that's what you got to do with people. You and I live in a day today where people don't trust people. So some of that drive-by stuff ain't going to work. People need to know, and again, it's, it's the old saying, and I wrote it down again because I don't know. Uh, ah, here it is. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You ever heard that? That's the culture we live in today. You're going to try to witness to me, and you're going to try to tell me about Jesus and how he changed your life, but you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I'm going through. So guess what? With a lot of people today, in order to get that guard down, you have to befriend them first. They have to know that you truly care about them. You just try and, or maybe they think you're one of those Baptist gunslingers just trying to get another notch on your belt. Amen. Shame on us if that's what we're doing. Amen. We need to be loving people into the kingdom. And we need to be witnessing because we love them enough we don't want to see them die and go to hell. Amen. And so we need to understand that we need to show them how much we care. What does that mean? And again, I think back to Uncle Buck and Brother Mike. They always had just a, a great way about them of starting a conversation and listening to people. Uh, one of the things, you know, I, I had to learn early on, you know, when Brother Mike and uh, them were trying to teach me how to witness is, I had all this in my brain and I wanted to get it out before I lost it, so I just launched right in, you know. 
I just, hey, Martin, hey, Mark Trammell, how you doing? Hey, uh, are, do you know if you die, you go to heaven? Okay, listen, I got these scriptures right here. I'm going to tell you exactly how you need to do that, all right? And I just, I had so much in my head, and I was trying to memorize it, and there was, I was just trying to get the information out to Martin. And Martin's sitting there thinking, good Lord, he didn't ask about me. My, look at this crazy guy. That's right. This guy is nuts, you know. He just attacks me, bombards me with, you know, uh, do I know where I'm going if I were to die? That's kind of a personal question uh, to ask for the first question. And so, uh, but Brother Mike, if you watched Brother Mike and Uncle Buck, it was just, they would start off getting to know the person. And they would listen. Tell me your story. And they would get, to, and that person would begin to tell their story. And when you open the gates for people to share about their life and their story, many times they would get emotional, and they would just, and it it would just be a flood of emotions coming out. And then they would begin to share. Well, you know what, man, I, I hate that you're going through that. I, I know somebody that could help you with that. I know there's a place, and I know there's a Savior who loves you and will help you with that. Amen. And so they began to just listen to people. You know, many times it's just because we don't know how to listen. Um, me and I've discovered this. This is hard for us all to learn. It's hard for me to learn. My wife, when she talks to me in the evening, she doesn't necessarily want me to fix it. Now, that's hard for us as men because men are naturally wired as fixers. So I assume if my wife starts talking to me and she starts talk, telling me about all these things are wrong, she just wants me to tell her how to fix it. And I learned very quickly that that ain't what she wants at all. Amen. She just wants somebody to listen, somebody with an open ear. I find people, this is why people pay uh, professional therapists, psychologists, hundreds of dollars an hour is because they can't find anybody else that will just sit down and listen to them. And many times all that therapist is doing is just Letting them talk, letting them get it out, purging themselves, amen? And many times you will answer your own questions if you purge yourself enough, amen? And so we need to always learn, have a listening ear. Um, talk to people, uh, have conversations, uh, keep a list to pray for. Uh, one thing I always loved, my mom would do this. She kept a, a prayer list by her chair. And she, even when she couldn't get out of the chair, she knew there was one thing at least she could do, and it was the most powerful thing, and that was pray for people. And so she kept that prayer list by her chair, and she prayed for it faithfully every single day. Keep a list. Pray for it daily. Invite people to church. Listen to their stories. Empathize. You know what the word empathize means? Many people get the word sympathize and empathize confused. Sympathize is when I hear Brian's story and I go, Ooh, Brian, that's tough, buddy. Man, I hope you I hope you do good with that. Good luck on that. Amen. And uh, maybe I'll even pray for him. But I just I hear his story and I sympathize. That's a tough story. Empathize takes it to the next level. If I hear Brian's story and I empathize with him, that takes me to mind of the scripture that says, I'm going to mourn with those who mourn. I'm going to weep with those who weep. I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice. Empathizing with Brian is totally different than sympathizing with him. Empathizing means, Brian, I feel your pain. And, man, I can't imagine what that's like. Here, let me just sit with you and cry with you. Many of us would think something like that is a total waste of time. Can I tell you this? A large part of what ministry is, is not saying brilliant words. Amen, Brother Martin? Amen. It's not coming up to people and saying, oh, I've got the perfect scripture for that. It's not coming up and saying, 
Oh, man, all right, Holy Spirit, you give me just what they need to hear right now. Can I tell you, 99% of what ministry is, is just sitting and crying with people. It's just, it's just being with people. Can I tell you, when they lose a loved one, when they're going through a traumatic event, when bad things are happening, they're not going to remember the brilliant thing you said. They're going to remember that you were there and that you sat with them, that you cried with them, that you were there. Amen. That's all it takes. To be a true minister, that's all it takes, really, is a listening, listening ear, okay? Reaching people with the love of Christ. I'm going to give you a couple things, and then we'll be done, all right? Um, number one thing to reach people with the love of Christ, you're going to have to bear some burdens. That listening thing, it's tough. I used to think I wanted to be a professional counselor, but you know what the problem with being a professional counselor is? I don't like listening to people's problems. That's in the flesh. But what I discovered is, is when I let the Lord take over, I can listen to people's problems. I can keep my mouth shut, and I can bear some of their burden. Amen? Now, to be a professional counselor, I would not want to have to sit and listen to people's burdens all day long. But guess what? I can sit, and I can listen to somebody's burdens for a little while. And sometimes that's, that's all somebody needs. Somebody, sometimes many people just need to unload themselves. And so I can sit there and I can bear some burdens. People are so skeptical, skeptical that they need to know that you care. And really the only way that you have of letting them know that you care is shutting your mouth, opening your ears, and let them talk. It's hard. It's hard. Okay? But that's exactly what we need to do. All right? Listen. Just like I said about those four friends, we don't just need to invite people. We need to bring them. If you really want your friend to meet Jesus, you need to say, church is at Sunday morning at 11. I'll be at your house at 1030. That's, that's how you do it. You don't just say, church is at 11. Maybe I'll be there if nothing better is going on. And hey, if I'm there and I'll see you and it'll be awesome. That's not the way you win people to the Lord. Amen? No, it's I care about you. I love you. I know you need the Lord, and I will pick you up, and I will take you myself, and I will get you there myself. Those four friends didn't say, I sure hope that the handicapped man can come get you. They said, we will be at your house, and we're going to put you on a bed, and we're going to physically carry you there. All right? That's how you do it. And we all have people we love enough, we know if we could ever get them there, they'd get something. But guess what? Sometimes you got to go the extra mile, and you got to go get them. We don't just need to invite people. We need to bring people. Those four friends did not give up. You remember when they get there, and the house is completely packed? They can't even get in the front door. That did not stop them. Amen? Let me tell you this. If you try to do something for the Lord, the devil's going to give you many, many, many obstacles. They did not let it stop them. They said, we're just going to the roof, all right? They went the extra mile to get their friend to Jesus. So how do you win your friend to the Lord or your neighbor or your coworker? Let me give you some uh, suggestions. If they're hurting, you listen. Can I tell you this? The hardest part of this, and I will tell you this because you're landmarkers and I know you, the hardest part is going to be for you to, anybody know? Shut up. You can't listen until you shut up. Amen. 
Brother Mark, that's kind of rough language. I'm sorry, amen. But I just got to tell you like it is, all right? You can't listen. Your ears can't function if your mouth is moving. You have to shut up and let people tell you their story. So if they're hurting, you listen. If their mom dies, you don't say, hey, I heard about your mom dying. Can I tell you this? My mom just died not too long ago. Can I tell you? I remember who was there. It still means a lot to me. It still means a lot to me. Brother Bucks is going to be this next Sunday. It's going to mean a lot to his family. They're not going to remember what you say. I don't remember what y'all said, but I do remember that you were there, and I remember you wrapping your arms around me and you hugging me and praying for me and loving on me. That's what I remember. Amen? It ain't enough just say, heard your mom died. Sorry about that. No, you, you go the extra mile. And again, what does this mean? You and I live in a very busy society. So it means you're going to have to put yourself to the back burner and you're going to have to go the extra mile. Uh, if somebody's having a baby, you're at the shower. When we do showers here, uh, I'll just tell you, ladies, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get you here. Amen. But if somebody in this family has a baby or somebody in this family is getting married or somebody in this family has a need and we, we need to rally around. And that means we got to show up. Amen. We got to show up. We took meals down here to, uh, to uh, Suzanne's house and Miss Pat and some of the other ladies fixed meals and uh, did all that for them. And Miss Mary's going to fix a meal. We're going to feed them before the, the memorial service. And, uh, you know, that, that does, stuff doesn't just happen. Somebody has to sacrifice and go the extra mile. Amen. And it can't be, as Brother Martin said, it can't be the same stinking 20% all the time. It means all of us have to do it. All of us have to step up. Amen. All right. And um, let's see. If they're sick, you bring them a meal. If they've lost a loved one or somebody is dying, you go and you sit with them. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I've had to do a lot of sitting these last few weeks because we've kind of been plagued with some cancer. And so I'll go and I'll just take a day or two days and I went down here and I would just sit with Brother Buck and just sit with him. Then I'd go over here and I'd sit with Jack Allison. And then the other day, me and Julie went and we just sat with Jan and Richard. I can't even remember necessarily what we talked about. We just, we were there. We let them know we love them. We prayed for them. We just let them kind of pour out what was going on in their lives. People sitting in that house just... Some people sitting there waiting to die. Guess what? And the, the person who's there 24-7 having to take care of them, they need somebody there that they can just unburden themselves to because they probably hadn't been out of that house in weeks. Amen. Sometimes you just go sit with them. Now, you're going to like number two. I spent a lot of time on bears and burdens. Won't go spend a lot. Number two, you're going to like that. Some of you are going to have to break some rules. Now, some of you, you're rebels. Amen. I can see you. You like that one. Amen. Got to break some rules. What does that mean? I, now, I don't mean breaking the Ten Commandments, amen. But I do mean sometimes what I said at the beginning, you got to think outside the box. How do I reach people? How can I minister to people? All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 4 is the scripture on this one. Uh, we already read it once, but it says, When they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. These guys went up on the roof, and they did something. They didn't ask for permission. They didn't, 
they didn't really check anything out if it was okay. They just kind of broke the rules. This is how passionate they were about their friend getting to Jesus. They said, you know what? We'll fix this later. We're going to dig through the roof. We're going to drop him down. We're not going to worry about the consequences. We will we'll, we'll tell whoever's house this is. We will come back. We will fix your roof later. But they knew they needed to do something extraordinary. So when I say break some rules, I mean sometimes you've got to do something extraordinary to reach people. Amen. If you're going to reach uh, people who are way, way, way outside the church, you've got to do something different. Do you know where biker churches started and where cowboy churches started? It was thinking outside the box because most bikers, especially back in the 80s and 90s when those things started, they couldn't go in a regular church. They didn't feel comfortable in a regular church. They didn't feel like they could possibly fit in. Now, I hope that's changed. And I hope they can come here and feel comfortable. But back in the 80s and 90s when things were a little more traditional and the traditions were big, uh, they didn't feel like they had a place to go. And so this is where biker churches started. Because some guy got saved and he was a biker. He said, you know what? I can reach other bikers if I go specifically for them. Same thing with cowboy churches. They started because people said people don't want to come. They don't want to be formal. They don't want to be in a suit and a tie. And they're tired of all this, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, formality. And so that is where cowboy churches started. Sometimes you got to think way outside the box. Those things are kind of normal now. But uh, I was around, many of you were around when those things started, and people in regular church went, that's weird. Those people are weird over there, amen? That is, can you imagine? It's a church full of bikers in leather. They all rode Harleys there. Can you imagine? That is so weird. At that time, somebody had to be weird enough to do it, amen? Now it seems normal. It's completely normal. But somebody had to step outside the box and do it, all right? Uh, be creative. Do things we've never done that way before. I would love for one time as a preacher to hear somebody, Brother Mark, we've never done it that way before. God, we need to do a whole lot of things that aren't the way we did them before. So we can reach new and different people in new and different ways. Amen? Um, if you go back just a few hundred years, the church was the center of everything. If you read your history, go back and read your history. Back into the uh, 1700s, the beginning, let's just take America. Go back to the beginning. How did this country start? Founding fathers who were seeking freedom of religion from a tyranny, right? Okay. So you go back and you look, and if you go and you do your history, and you start looking in the 1700s with the founding fathers, and then you even go into the 1800s. The churches would always be, when towns were set up and towns were founded, the church, you would find the church at the center of the town. The church would be the center of activity. Even, even go back further than that. Go over to Europe and go look at the Sistine Chapel. Go to some of the art galleries over there, and what are those paintings of? The Last Supper. Amen? So the church was at the center of creativity. The church was at the center of culture. The culture didn't tell the church. The church told the culture. All of the art came out of the church. All of the creativity came out of the church. And even on into the 1700s, 1800s here, the church was the hub. If they had a town hall meeting... It was in the church. Many times they couldn't afford to build a schoolhouse also, so the church became the schoolhouse during the week. 
and all of the social activities, all of everything that the town centered around was at the church. What happened? Somebody came along with that brilliant idea of we ought to separate all this. Amen. And that's when things began to unravel. Amen. The church has always been meant to be at the center of the culture. All right. Um, we should be influencing culture. Look at this with me, and then Julie's going to come while I'm doing this. The last one, and you can write it down or you can take a picture of it. It says, we must be a church who doesn't judge those without Christ, but loves them to Christ. How do you love people? Sometimes, many times it's just as simple as just listening to them. I've witnessed to people and they've said, Brother Mark, I know I need Jesus, but man, something at the church happened and it really messed me up. It really messed me up. And you know what? I can't deny that. I can't take that away. I can't make it right. But I can say this. I know Jesus. And I'm not saying every church is perfect. They're far from it because they're not made up of perfect people. But I'm here to tell you, we're not going to judge you. We're going to love you to Christ. I don't care who walks through that back door. Now, I need some of you to look at me. Because sometimes somebody will walk through that back door and they look a little different. And I can see you. I'm up here and I'm watching. And there's some of that, oh, good, do you see that over there? I'm going, I'm going to sit over here on this side, way over here today. Did you see that? Did you see what they were wearing? Did you see what they got all in their ears? Did you, you know? Luke, Luke came last week and recommitted his life to Christ. You see what he had tattooed on the back of his head? Whiskey bent and hell bound. Amen. I said, I like that in church right there. Amen. He said, you know what? I can't get that removed because that would be extremely painful. But he said, you know what, Brother Mark? I'm going to get another one across. I got one open spot right here under my neck. And I'm going to tattoo changed. Changed. Amen. Yeah. Right. But if you don't show nobody love, if, if they sense that and they get that the rejection from you, the devil wins. The devil wins. I don't care if they walk back through there and they got a T-bone steak bone through their nose. <laughs> Amen. You need to love them and try not to stare at that T-bone steak. Amen. <laughs> because we need to love them to Jesus. Amen. Julie's going to play. Bow your head and close your eyes. You're here today, and uh, if I were to ask you that question, do you know where you go if you were to die? If you can't answer for sure 100%, I want to give you the opportunity because he is always as close as a prayer away. You just pray this in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins and every head bowed every eye closed if you prayed that prayer today for the first time of salvation or you prayed it as a prayer of recommitment today I don't want to embarrass you but I do want to pray for you would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you okay alright I want to encourage you in a moment we're going to have a time of response if you raise your hand would you just come up and be bold enough to just tell me brother Mark I prayed that prayer that's all you got to say Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer with you, and I would love to be able to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I am not the soul winner I need to be. Maybe you're like me, 
And I said at the end, I would be the first to raise my hand. Brother Mark, I need to be a better soul winner. I need to be more bold. Would you just lift up a hand if you need prayer for that? Brother Mark, I just need to be a better soul winner. I need to be more bold in my witness. Thank you. Hands all over. And I got my hand raised, too, on the first one. Amen. So if you want to come and just make that commitment, the altar will be open. Brother Martin's over here on this side. He'd love to pray with you. I'll be over here on this side. I would love to pray for you. Father, have your will and your way during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. If you would, you come as you need to. I hope that that was something that you needed this morning. I want to tell you this. Um, I, I am setting in my heart and my mind that, uh, you know, now that Brother Buck's gone, Brother Mike's gone, I'm going to step up. Amen. And I would love if you make that commitment with me. Lord, I'm going to be more bold. Probably most everybody here is going to go out to eat. Ask that waitress, hey, uh, do you know the Lord? Or just get to know him first. Say, hey, tell what's what's going on with you? Are you having a good day? I've, I've opened up a conversation with a little checker at the grocery store one time, and I just said, hey, are you having a good day? And I mean, it didn't take me about 10 seconds, and that girl was bawling, amen? Sometimes all you got to do is just barely open that door, amen? And the girl was, oh, I'm having a terrible day, and she just needed somebody to unload to, amen? It's, it's real simple. Again, you just got to open the door and then just listen, amen? And many people... They are waiting. They're, sometimes the Lord leads you into opportunities, and he's just waiting to open that door. And if you open that door, he'll give you the right words to say. He'll give you the right things to say, and, uh, and people will feel loved. It doesn't take much for people to feel loved. You can send me a text. In fact, I expect this this afternoon. You can send me a text today and say, Brother Mark, I just love you. Now, that would take you about five seconds, but you know how that would make this old preacher feel? Pretty darn special. I expect a bunch of them today. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. Yes. Gail's birthday today. Where is Gail at? Gail. Amen. Anybody else got a birthday today or close? 
Oh, right there. All right. Is it today or tomorrow? All right. Well, let's sing happy birthday to these two. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Gail and Vicky. Happy birthday to you. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We are now entering our mission field as we go out those doors. So God, help us to be a bold, strong witness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.